welcome to a podcast from Hope Church Glasgow. For more about us, check out hopechurchglasgow.org. Okay, well, hi, welcome to podcast. Um, I'm settling in here. This is probably going to be a little bit longer than the last, certainly than the last one I did. So I've got my coffee, might be taking a few sips. We are looking at being hosted by his presence. Yes, you didn't mishear that. Hosted by his presence. Um, that's our top subject today. We're going to dig into uh, probably three sections of scripture. Um, I don't know about you, but as a community, as a church, we've determined to make his presence central to all that we do, all that we are. And, and we've articulated that often, along with others, other churches on this journey and with this passion, we've articulated that around the ideas of hosting or carrying his presence. And, and we think in that, in terms of manifest presence, we know God is everywhere and in a sense working all the time. But there is a manifestation of his presence, a felt, active, tangible presence of the Lord that, that we want to engage with and uh, uh, yeah that that's that's our passion and uh, and we love it when he shows up and when he's manifest amongst us whether it's on our our online healing team that we've had over uh, over lockdown seeing people healed of blood clots and cancer and Crohn's disease has been pretty exciting or in our offices and places of work or schools and universities um but first of all let's talk about this idea of being hosted by his presence turning this on its head because the thing with hosting his presence sounds like the works on our end to make that happen and and, and i'd like to to bring us to uh, maybe some fresh thinking on this for some of you but what if, what if the starting point to this is different and i think it is different um, and we happily quote in, in, in our world anyway, we happily quote and we're excited about the idea that we're seated with Christ in heavenly realms. Uh, but I don't think we push that thought far enough. I think perhaps we're so used to in our background and our upbringing as believers anyway of hearing that verse, thinking it's a doctrinal statement, thinking it's something we'll only really get our heads around when Jesus comes back or, or we go to heaven. And uh, but but it it it's more than that, and, and I think we need to push it, think it further, and that's that's something we're going to do today. Uh, what it's saying is we're living from a new place, we're living from a new reality, a new truth about ourselves when we describe ourselves in Christ, when we come to that place of faith. We're it's saying we're always in His lap, we're always in His presence, we're always in His arms. We're always on his throne, co-seated with Jesus. Not something that will happen, but something that has happened in the past tense. And it's a statement of my and your present reality. It's the new truth about you. Um, so what if when we experience his manifest presence, when we're seeking to host him, what we're actually doing is realising what's already true that we are in his presence what if worship and the faith that brings us to that conscious enjoyment of the reality of jesus is actually coming us to bring us to a conscious enjoyment 
of a reality that is already established and that we're already part of. We just sometimes dial out of it and don't realize it. Let's look at the, let's look at the scripture. Let's look at the verse and do it in context. That might help us. Uh, so the verse is in Ephesians 2, and it's the first, we're going to look at the first seven verses, I think, for time. Yeah, maybe, no, 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 eight verses, nine verses. Here we go. We'll do the whole that whole chunk. And again, I'll read it for you because I know sometimes imagining you, speaking to you personally through your earbuds or on your laptop or whether maybe walking or, or sitting at home having a coffee with me, which I'm going to have another sip in a second. So I'll read it for you. Ephesians 2 verse 1. Uh, and you, it says, and you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. And pause and think about that for a second while I pause and drink this coffee for a second. We were children of the father of lies, the anti-God spirit that's birthing disobedience. This is me sort of now paraphrasing what we just read. The anti-God spirit that was birthing disobedience. We're children of, of, of his wrath, this anti-God spirit, his wrath against the Lord. And so we were antagonistic ourselves towards him. Uh, we were in a mess, and we were a mess, and we were dead. Spiritually, it, says it starts off, we were dead in trespasses and sins. Um, so uh, we weren't able really to help ourselves very much. Although, um, we'll see in a moment, we were always, well, I'll say see in a moment, but we'll see further down in the scripture, it says that we're his workmanship. So we were always fundamentally his design made by God. But we got trapped, we got caught in the fall, we got wrapped up in this bunch of lies and this this world of sin and death, which is where we entered in when when Adam fell. Um, that's where we were, and it was a pretty messy place to be. So thank God for verse 4. But God, let's <laughs> say it again, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when, just, just underline this, even when we were dead in our trespasses, so when, when we were in this place, we just went through the list, even then he made us alive together with Christ. Phew! By grace you've been saved. And he raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus for by grace you've been saved through faith this is not your own doing it's the gift of God not the result of works so that no one can boast wow so we in our in our sorry state he raised us up in Christ uh, we didn't fix ourselves up we didn't particularly move anywhere he found us where we were and raised us up with Christ. We didn't work for it. We couldn't work for it. 
he changed our reality without us realizing and he did it at the cross and resurrection so he raised us up with himself in our in our mess <laughs> he seated us with him in our mess wow so why should we think we have to climb into his lap when he's already placed us there even in our mess All right this this calls for another sip of coffee Without any work on our part could achieve achieve this. Uh, we couldn't earn it, we couldn't achieve it. And even the faith that is in us to believe that this is true is a free gift of his grace to us. So he's giving us the faith. It's like Galatians 2.20 where it says, The life I now live, I live by, by the faith of the Son of God. And more and more Bible translators, theologians are coming to, to if you like, admit or realise that it's, it's the faith of Jesus. It's the faith and the faithfulness of Jesus. Oh, I'm, I'm rambling a little bit because I'm excited by this. So in our mess, he found us, he saved us, and he raised us up to be seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. <laughs> and the faith to believe that is something he's giving you and has given you uh, this is grace this is this is amazing grace this is undeserved favor just just absolutely massive i would suggest that our process really is not to become but to realize what he's done and not to climb into heavenly places not not to raise ourselves up not but actually to realize what what he's done he's already hosting us in the most intimate possible way um and that that's extraordinary and something has to happen really in our in our minds because our old way of thinking was we were so separate we were so distant and kind of we wanted it that way it's a little bit like i've used this illustration before but it kind of works that if you put a fish in a tank and, and leave it there to grow up in that tank and then make the tank bigger often it won't swim to the other end of the, the larger tank um or the the baby elephant that they train them they put them neck they, they, they tie a leg to a stake and they can't of course in the zoo in the zoo or in the in the circus they do this so that the elephant learns it can't pull the stake out of the ground but actually when it's full grown it could but now it never tries we get trapped in small thinking, poor thinking, old thinking. And then suddenly we hear a message like this. It's like, wow, I've been raised with Christ by grace and I don't have to clean myself up. This is where I am. My process is to realize not to become. An anonymous mystic wrote this. The mystic is someone who's just seeking uh, you to experience union with the Lord above anything else. And this anonymous mystic heard the Lord say to her, if I am the air you breathe, if you are in me and I am in you, why are you looking for me? And then she said, at once I felt so close to God that I could never describe it. What if your experience and our experience of his presence is telling us something about the truth of our being rather than being a place where we enter 
from somewhere else. So what I'm saying is if we're not entering into an experience from another place, we're in a place that we realize we're in when we're in these incredible places of worship and encounter. What if the devil wants to keep blinding our eyes to believe his presence is a place we have to find, discover, climb into, enter, do some special dance, say some special words, you know, uh, pray a little bit longer. And if we believe that, then then that gives it power. <laughs> and if we believe it, we're giving into the notion that Jesus didn't change our status before the Lord in a permanent way. We believe that we could be in and we can be out. And that isn't true. And we end up living in this fuzzy cloud of disconnection um, that we can escape from time to time in a great time of worship or a great time of prayer or reading our Bible or some other encounter. Uh, but that's really a statement much more of where we used to be. The old That's the, a description of our old way of being, not the truth of who we are now. The truth of who we are now and where we are now is that we are sons and daughters fully connected to Father, Son and Holy Spirit and seated right now with him in heavenly realms. We're in the lap of God. That's where we are and that's what we're learning to realise. That's what we're coming to experience um, and that's what he's training us in. And training us out of the idea it's something we have to earn, find, um, dance for. Um, okay, so we, we, are, we are in that place. And, and connected to this, the second point really is, is we live with this, this notion, or I've lived with this notion of being filled with the Spirit. I've lived with the notion like this, that, that it's something where I'm filled from the outside to the inside. So like I'm a tank, like I'm a bucket, and I need to keep going to the tap to be filled, and the bucket pours, pours out, I pour out into other people, or the bucket has a leak, and it just needs topping up all the time. But actually Jesus twice taught on this topic, and he didn't say it like that. He said something quite opposite. And this is connected to our first point, John 4, 4, to the woman at the well, he said this, Whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. It is it, describing, it, the, the word here could mean fountain. It's like an artesian well. An artesian well is water that springs up with no pumping action. It just flows up from the ground. Uh, so the fresh water is, is is available to be drunk. And and so he's saying, whoever gives one drink of me will then have this well of life springing up from within permanently. It, it, he's saying you don't have to keep coming to drink. Once you drink, the spring springs up from within. And John 7, he, he, he kind of says it louder, he says it stronger. He said, on the last day of the feast, verse 37, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Note, whoever believes in me, as the scripture says, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now this he said about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive, for as yet the Spirit had not been given, because Jesus 
was not yet glorified. So he's saying, come to me and drink. He doesn't say keep drinking. He says, come to me and drink. And whoever believes, so drink and believe are, are, are part of the same action. The outcome of that action is that out of your heart and my heart will flow rivers of living water. It's like the same as before, same as the spring of the fountain, but with more force, literal rivers will flow from within. So when we think of fullness, Jesus is saying, don't think of being filled from the outside to the inside. Think of being filled from the inside by this unstoppable, self-replenishing, bubbling up flow of the Spirit that is within you. <laughs> the, the, the flow is there. Flow is within you. Whether you realize it or not, whether you think it or not, whether you felt it today or not, it doesn't change. This is a statement of truth. This is a statement of the new reality we have in Christ, that the Holy Spirit is this artesian well, this fountain, this river, these rivers flowing from within to without. And and it's a statement of truth that we're seated with him, embraced by him, seated in heavenly places. These are the truths of our state of being as believers in Christ. It's beautiful, it's powerful. And we're learning to adjust to this new reality. And, and this teaching I'm doing about, about the spirit flowing from within is completely compatible, really, with what Paul says about be being filled. He doesn't say you have to be filled from the outside. And all these prayers in Colossians for the church there and in Ephesians in both chapter 1 and chapter 3 all emphasize this idea that he's praying for this growing awareness of the inner working in us uh, of the power of God, of the love of God, of the Spirit of God, that we get more and more awareness of this incredible inner working of God. Um, He's not praying that they'd, they'd go and get filled somewhere. He's praying that it'd be filled from within. Um, so so these are our two things. We, I guess, in a sense, we're hosting his presence internally, and we'll say a bit more about this in a second, but it isn't because it's not there. <laughs> and we have to find his presence again. It's because he is there, and we're learning to oh, tune into this new reality. And and he's already hosting us in his presence in heavenly places. Okay, this is beautiful. We are filled within and we're embraced without permanently. Uh, this is our new reality. So what happens to the, you know, I call these the worship leader's favorite verse. Because uh, you're probably thinking about it now. If you've been a Christian any length of time, um, Draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. Uh, let's press in. Let's press in for more of his presence. Well, how does, the, what, does this, what I'm saying, saying that isn't true? Well, let, let's again, let's look at these, let's look at these scriptures um, and, and let's look at the context because actually with this one, context is, is everything. Um, so James 4 is what's being quoted, but it's just one line. It's actually half a verse. <laughs> that we quote to one another. So let's just look at this whole idea of drawing near and pressing in. And what do we do with that in the context of these clear statements that we're seated with him in heavenly places? He is hosting our presence and we are being filled from the inside out by the Holy Spirit. There's a artesian well of the Spirit flowing from the inside to the outside. 
So I'm just going to break in at verse 5 of James 4, again, uh, help you with wherever you are listening to this. And verse 5 says, Or do you suppose it is to no purpose that the scripture says, He yearns jealously over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us. But he gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. All right, context is everything. Even before verse 5, it's talking about fighting and quarrels between them because they want to have their own way and fulfill their own desires and that's leading to these quarrels. So it's about a context where people are giving in to moving from self-will, relying on their own efforts, they're striving and they're selfish. And that mindset, he's saying, is alien to our nature. Because the next thing he says is that he's put his spirit inside us, all right? Not distant from us, but his spirit is inside us, and that spirit is yearning jealously over us to... To quote the Passion Translation, the spirit that God breathed into our hearts is a jealous lover who intensely desires to have more and more of us. So this is not a disconnection scripture. This isn't a distant scripture. This is to do with who has charge of you or my my affections, who, who's who's winning on the inside of us. And, and it's saying the Holy Spirit just wants more and more of you. He wants you to experience more and more of him from the inside out and he's urging them not to be adulterous in their affections not to go after selfishness not to go after worldliness but to allow the holy spirit to uh, possess more and more of their inner life and reality and, and, and he's saying the most effective defense against this diabolical mindset is just to submit to god submit to this yearning of the spirit within you submit to this appetite of god's presence to fill you more to have more of you give way to his spirit within and not to the world's spirit not to the satanic spirit that's trying to deceive us and make us think that self-effort and selfishness is the way to go and so in this context he says draw near the thinking here is that their host what they're hosting the thinking that they're hosting is separating them from him in their thinking it's not separating him from them so he's saying get out of this double-mindedness which comes up in the next verse re-engage with union thinking snuggle up to the one who's always holding you submit to the jealous spirit that wants to re-embrace you and refill you get escape this distance thinking and draw near to God in your affections and your thinking. Not because he's distant, but because he's not distant. And so repent of double-mindedness. You know, a bit of this, a bit of the world, a bit of Jesus. It might be true, it might not be true. Submit to the mind of Christ. Submit to the revelation of our fundamental union. Submit to his affection for you. Submit to the truth of your being that is in Jesus. Rather, this old dead version that he's resurrected so this this passage 
kind of accurately reflects the tension that can happen inside us and it does often happen inside us not that we're ever separate from god or from the work of the spirit but just part of us often would like god to be out there a little bit a little bit distant i mean sadly that actually produces religion um but it because it produces a distance that we need to do something about to cross the distance to bridge the gap but having god out there a little bit away from us means we can pick and choose you know we we'll draw near when we want to we can be dis- disinterested and distracted if we want to we're in control of the connection and we dial in we dial out um kind of helpful that he's not not any closer than wherever in our minds we think he is but as soon as we introduce this reality i'm talking about which is the reality of him in us it introduces us to a nowhere to hide crisis of his passionate presence that won't leave us and doesn't want to leave us alone because he loves us and he wants more of us Uh, (laughs) now the good news is remember the good news is presence is pure love it's passion for us he's not against us he's for us he wants to calm our fears of being overrun by some dominating weird controlling thing no this is jesus christ the one who laid his life down for us on a cross wants us to experience his love deeper wider stronger than we've ever experienced before until we truly rest into the reality of his embrace and his presence within us all the time today now let the artesian well of the holy spirit bubble up freely within you without pumping for it without striving for it let him let him allow him to flood you turn your affections to the one who is already affectionate for you who's already bubbling within you let his love his strength his passion his joy and his peace fill you right now today and if you need to repent from self-reliance self-effort from distance thinking and snuggle into the arms of the father that already surround you shalom thank you for listening find us on instagram facebook or search hope church glasgow on your favorite podcast player